Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I am the lead pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morden, the associate pastor at NBC. And I'm Alex Walker, the corporate ministry director at that same church. All right. And, and here we are today. We are going to take on part three in our uh, sort of orders of the service uh, series. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because we miss church. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and so we can't we can't meet in the office and we can't plan a service. So what we're going to do is we're going to meet on Zoom and we're going to talk about talking about a service. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is sur- Sunday service planning by extension, twice removed. Uh, and so so that's our that's our point for today. And today today is going to start uh, one of the bigger portions of a uh of a worship service and that is the music Mm -hmm. and uh and so because of the nature of this we're going to divide it into two parts and before we talk about those two parts i want to read you guys uh the opening of a book that i was reading this week the book is called uh for the glory of god recovering a biblical theology of worship Mm -hmm. uh it's actually pretty fantastic we might get some staff copies and work our way through it but the opening of the book says this a number of years ago, I preached in a large church with three Sunday morning services. I shall never forget when at a transitional moment in the service, the pastor of music and worship declared to the congregation, now, before we continue our worship, let me read a passage from Colossians chapter 3. All right. Uh, a lot of times when people talk about worship, mm. they mean the music. Yeah. And then you have things like the titles like worship director or worship pastor. And what they mean is music. Is, is that an accurate labeling? The, the older way to describe people like that was music director or the choir director. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, churches before us apparently did this better. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have tried my hardest across anything in our church that I have control over to remove the misusage of the word worship. Mm. Um, you know, like all of our band application stuff says music team. Uh, I've tried to remove the term worship team. Um, not that they're not a part of the worship on a Sunday morning, but uh, they contribute the music section of it. Mm. Right. So just, you know, making sure all of our nomenclature across everything is correct. Um, not that anyone thinks about that <laughs> or like you know if they saw a worship team on a form or a band or a band on the form or a music team on the form they think more than three seconds about it mm-hmm. uh but just continuing to be consistent that way is, is important and uh it makes the term worship have some value um, yeah I, I agree i think in in recent years there's definitely been a push to kind of uh help people's understanding of the word worship to broaden. And I think for most people, I mean, most people in our church, if you were to say, Hey, worship is more than music. They'd be like, yeah, duh, of course. Yeah, I get that. But it's interesting how just in our everyday conversation, as we're discussing things like, you know, if I'm leading the music on a Sunday morning and I come down and someone comes up to me and says, Hey, the worship sounded great this morning. 
they're talking specifically about the music, right? It's right. just, it's just part, it's just the way we talk about things, right? So even though we understand that it's broader than that, it, it, it's, you know, it takes time for people's uh, choice of words to change and shift away from that kind of narrow, narrow definition. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to get into calling out major church movements or anything like that, but it seems to me that there was something that took place uh, sometime eighties, nineties uh, where worship and music just sort of became synonymous. And, uh, and we don't, we don't see that as the case. Everything that we do is an act of worship. And I don't, I don't mean everything that we do between, you know, 10 o'clock and whenever the pastor stops talking on a Sunday morning is worship. I mean, everything that we do, right? Romans 12, one and two can, form no longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind for this is your spiritual act of worship. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and so as we just live the Christian life, we are living worship and, uh, and, and sometimes it'll get, it'll get couched as, you know, like praise and worship is a specific way to do, uh, to narrow it down to music. Again, I think praise, uh, you know, we still read scripture and praise to the person of God. We still pray to that end. Uh, so when we, when we do this, what we're talking about specifically is the music and, uh, and we're going to try our best not to reinforce, uh, that idea that music is worship, worship is music, um, and everything else, uh, has its own title. Hmm. So here's how the two parts are going to be organized. First, we're going to talk about the pragmatics, the organization, uh, kind of what we've been doing all along with the music. And then in part two, we're going to get deep into conversations of how we choose the songs that we choose and why we choose not to sing other songs. Right. This is going to be the big conversation, right? Part two is going to be the fun conversation. And, uh, and, and I would just say, you know, that's, this is a conversation we have all the time, right? Uh, every time a new song comes out and is the next big thing, uh, we start picking apart. Can we sing this? Can we not sing this? Can we change the words? Alex says, no, we still decide, are we going to do it anyway? Uh, I always say no. <laughs> you always say no. And I always fight for it. You always make an argument about uh, copyrights and legalities. And I always make an argument for uh, church camps have been doing this for <laughs> generations. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and so so I, I feel like the, the, the principle of it is grandfathered in. Uh, although I don't think that would stand up in a court of law. <laughs> Definitely wouldn't. I, I would just, what I would do is this. I would just remind them that scripture tells us not to be suing our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's true. And, uh, and would you really, would you really want to go there? Um, because I a lawyer that slides a work. note across the table that just says yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your defense in court is just a scripture passage. Right. 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 <laughs> uh, and, and so then the judge would be like, so you're pleading guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we'll, we'll get into all of that next week. Uh, this week we want to talk about uh, big pick, uh, the, the sort of organizational things and, uh, and not the theological aspect of it so much. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we, when we organize our service, uh, we, we said a few weeks ago that this is all part of pre-service. Uh, it's usually done far ahead of time. Um, not, not like weeks ahead of time, but, but days ahead of time so that it can be prayerfully done and organized and sent out to the band so that the band can uh, be preparing on their own time, uh, be aware of what's coming up. Uh, how does that organization of, 
of the service usually work out? Um, something that churches have done for a long time, particularly in evangelical circles, is kind of start with high energy at the top and then move all the way through to your slowest songs. Um, that is not always true and, and not necessarily the rule of thumb, but it is a good way to describe what ends up happening a lot of the time um, because slower songs tend to be more contemplative and then faster songs tend to be more fun. So we want to start with the fun ones up top uh, and that I, I don't think that's untrue. We want to, you know, get people uh, engaged in the music and, and that's the, the most straightforward way to do that is to make the music fun to sing. Uh, if it wasn't, you know, in some element engaging to people's style sensibilities, they're not going to willingly or easily jump into submitting themselves to what the words have to say and to what their heart attitude should be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, starting this service oftentimes kind of that first song, um, you know, we don't do a, we don't do a, um, an official call to worship per se, like, like some, some churches would like a very structured call to worship, but you know, I look for songs that kind of have that built in lyrically almost this mm -hmm. invitational songs that are saying, Hey, this is what we're, this is what we're here to do. This is what we're committing ourselves to over the next while in particular. And, and as that kind of way of, of drawing people into uh, that musical time of worship and saying, okay, let's get focused. Why are we here? What are we doing? Um, and then we can kind of move on with the rest of the music. So that's kind of how, how I like to start it off. Um, yeah, that, that's an intentional way to, to draw people in because a lot of times people show up and, uh, you know, and they've got 101 things on their minds and then we've just gone through the announcements and then that's weighing heavy on them. Um, and then now is a time where we really want to shift that focus uh, back to the vertical aspect, right? And really have them focused on the person and the work of God. Like you might say, come now is the time to worship. Yeah, that's a perfect song to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, or right. songs like that, right? Like songs with that yeah. kind of idea. Yeah, and quick note for anyone who's uh, listening to this who isn't a part of Memorial or, uh, or hasn't been there. You know that all three of us at some point might be leading worship. Uh, Alex is our, or I just did it, didn't I? I just said leading worship. Oh, uh, well, it's also you know, true that we do lead you know, worship. Though. One strike against me. <laughs> uh, we, might be, we might be leading the music, uh, the musical portion of the worship uh, on any given day. Alex, that's his, his primary role. Uh, Marshall is there uh, at least once a month. Uh, doing something and and biannually, uh, I might make an appearance mm -hmm. uh, leading worship, uh, or at least standing in the background uh, playing an electric guitar just or pretending to. Uh, <laughs> so, th so this is something that all of us practice. Uh, there was a time when I was uh, for a church in Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, the worship pastor, uh, and so. Uh, it's something that we've all we've all practiced and, and dipped our hand into to some degree or another, uh, and and yeah, I think I think that mood is is a thing, right? I've had people come against that. I've had people come against it and say, uh, you ought not be trying to manipulate people with mood, uh, because because what you're doing is you're trying to drive an emotion, and that's not what's appropriate 
in a worship service. It's not appropriate in a worship service for you to be trying to drive a mood. What are your thoughts on that, guys? I, I like yes and no. Um, <laughs> like no, you shouldn't be emotionally manipulating people. Um, but at the same time, if people's emotions aren't uh, tied to their thoughts, that would be weird. Uh, so if they're trying to think, you know, I surrender all and they weren't feeling humbled and weren't feeling, um, you know, and sometimes convicted or weren't feeling, uh, you know, sad about the state of sin in the world. And they're saying, I surrender all in their happiest voice. You know, that would be a weird disconnect. Uh, sure. it, it's kind of, it would be frustrating to try and divorce the two entirely right? We're, we're whole beings. Um, we're not like separated spiritual and separated physical beings. We are made whole. Um, so, it, so to divorce them is kind of a false setup. Uh, they have to come together. Yeah. I think that that attitude that you described or that, that uh, argument that you described, Tim, is an overcorrection against something on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? So, so there, there, are there instances where, you know, music is used to kind of whip people up into a mindless frenzy of emotion, mm-hmm. right? That is divorced from the truths that we're trying to speak or, or, or divorced from the, you know, even from the God that we're trying to worship, like people are just so worked up in themselves emotionally. Right. And that can happen and does happen. But to say that, therefore, the, the appropriate response is then to check our emotional, you know, emotional state at the door is entirely wrong, right? As we, as we lead through music and through prayer and through preaching and these various things, we're trying to lead by example. So we're trying to help people think properly. But I think also through music and, and the emotions that come through music, we can try to lead people in how to feel properly, right? To have the right emotional response to the things of God. And so, uh, yeah, we ought, in my opinion, we ought not to divorce the two. I I would echo what Alex has to say. Yeah. And and I would say that it's a pretty common pattern, even inside of uh, a sermon. So for, for example, you might, uh, you, you would just find it strange. Um, because again, like you said, we're not trying to manipulate people into a thing, but there is a certain pattern uh, emotionally that we follow, which connects to our thought in such a way that we would say these things are uh, just sort of the the way that we work, you know. So if I if I came in and preached a sermon and my first lines were this really heavy and stern "repent ye sinners" uh, kind of a thing, and and then I ended with you know a, a cute story about you know one of my kids. I love right? those. You, <laughs> but it, but in that structure, you'd be like, that doesn't make sense, right? Right. Like you, you start with something that is going to uh, prepare me uh, and, and just sort of move me into that, right? You build up the, uh, the, this, the sermon in the same way you, I believe you build up the worship set. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that, and, and I also think that that kind of stands true. There are a lot of people sometimes that'll come in and say, you have to be careful how good the quality of the worship gets because then it ends up just being a performance. Uh, that always bugs me. And I always say, do you feel the same about my preaching? Should I accidentally say something wrong every once in a while or stumble over my words? Or uh, how many mistakes do I need to make on the preaching side of it so that it's not just a performance? Um, <laughs> and the, the, quality, the quality has nothing to do with whether or not it's worship or performance. And, and I don't think the mood does either. Yeah. Uh, but, 
Marshall, you mentioned a thing about horizontal versus vertical. Why don't you, uh, why don't you flush that out for us a little bit and explain how songs move one way or the other? Okay. Well, I mean, so song, song can be both. Um, it is both, I would say. It's both vertical and horizontal. Um, when the shift to kind of from our time of community life, which we talked about um, yesterday, kind of that this is what's going on. These are the things to be, you know, these are the people in our community need to be prayed for. Very horizontal kind of approach. Uh, now we're shifting our focus to worship our God, right? And so now our, our focus, the, the point of focus is now on him, who he is, what he has done. Um, however, um, you know, we can, we can get into this. I wouldn't say that it's exclusively vertical. There is an element mm -hmm. of the horizontal as we sing corporately in particular, as we sing together. Um, it is a time of teaching, I would say. Right. It's a time where as you know, we're in this room and there's, you know, a couple hundred people all belting out this song, these words, these truths that have stood for all time. We are reminded that, okay, this person next to me here, they believe this. They they believe right. this to be true. The person behind me believes this to be true. And I ought to believe that this is true. And so it's um yeah, it, it is it is horizontal in the sense that there's a mutual encouragement and exhortation that happens, even though I'd say the primary focus is still on on the person of God. Yeah, and, and the weight of what you said is why next week we're going to talk about how we choose which song we're going to sing and which songs we're not going to sing. Right. Uh, because we're not going to do the whole, oh, this song is fun or, oh, this song is popular or, oh, I like this song. Uh, if we don't believe that it's a truth that we want to be resonating in people's heads for on a regular basis yeah um but that's for next week mm -hmm. uh alex your thoughts on setting up the difference between a, a horizontal and a vertical song um it can be uh tricky to separate them um sometimes because we often only think about the vertical when planning a service uh, or even just consuming a service coming to church and and when you gather, you sing praise to God, you know, it's very rare that there's a line in the song that speaks to the person next to you. Um, so we're often very focused on that vertical side. But I think the horizontal um, aspect of encouraging one another has lost a lot of emphasis. And I think that could be changed. I think we could use a lot more music that talks about the Christian brotherhood. Um, and and that's something that had happened in a lot of hymns past and maybe changed and, you know, maybe for better or for worse, those songs faded away. Uh, that that's an aspect of something that we don't do a lot in, in the Baptist church, particularly um, maybe only in modernity, not necessarily historically. Mm -hmm. uh, the horizontal aspect of being able to encourage one another is something that I personally gain a lot from, mm -hmm. um, you know, the gathered body, uh, singing the truths of Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, I, I always have a distinct memory of being in a church as a child on Easter morning, full of, you know, 400 people singing Christ, the Lord is risen today. Mm -hmm. Um, right. You know, I know that truth in my heart. I don't need to, to sing it, to affirm it to myself, but to hear this room of believers vibrate with the, the words Christ, the Lord is risen. 
mm-hmm. um, has a huge impact on me. And, yeah. and that's horizontal. That's, mm-hmm. that is worship in the sense of encouraging other Christians. The edification um, of the saints, right? Yeah. 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 And I know I just want to piggyback on something you said, Alex, because I think you're absolutely right that we have lost an element of the communal aspect of what it, what church is and what following Christ is. Right. And I think uh, as it has over all of human history, the church uh, to its detriment takes on some of the flavor of the culture around it. And we live in a hyper individualized culture right now. And, uh, and so, and that has kind of bled into our worship that has bled into, um, our music and has bled into a whole lot of things. Right. And, uh, but when you read the scriptures, when you read, like I'm reading through the epistle of, uh, first John right now and the, 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 the connection amongst the body is so vitally important and so heavily emphasized that, mm-hmm. that the community they have with one another is that that koinonia, that's, the, that's what they have then with the Father and with Christ, right? And so, um, yeah, and so I, I love that we're intentional about that in how we shape our services. And, uh, and I would really love to see uh, a push to rediscover what that looks like, you know, rather than being these little Christian islands unto ourselves. Yeah, and, and I, if, if people are wondering, like thinking about songs and be like, you know, what, what, how do I know if a song is horizontal or vertical? A lot, a lot of it's just grammatical, right? Like you look for grammatical clues. Uh, come, now is the time to worship. Uh, who's the, the subject of that, right? Who are we talking about bringing together? We're not talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're talking about the congregation. Right. That is a distinctly uh, horizontal song. Uh, how great thou art is not a song to your neighbor. Um, so grammatically, you can see in it that it is a vertical song. Uh, but there are songs that shift at some point. Uh, just off the top of my head, I surrender all, right? Mm-hmm. Like all to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give. And so the, the grammar says uh, that I'm you know, talking to you about a third person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, uh, and then the chorus, it says, all to thee, my blessed Savior right? Mm-hmm. Which is a shift in the pronoun yeah. uh, to be singing to him. So that, that song uh, has a shift in the middle of it. But, but that's what we're talking about, right? Just uh, who we're talking about or who we're speaking to in that song. Are we edifying the saints or are we uh, speaking in a prayer? Because vertical songs are a prayer, uh, a corporate prayer to a melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and that's that, that's that division there. What about this? What about hymns or modern songs? Where do we fall on that? Both. It's got to be both. How about modern hymns? Yeah, That's my favorite. The, also those. <laughs> yeah. My favorite are, my favorite are the, the hymns I grew up with. Mm. Not, not changed, not modernized, because that often means ruined. Uh, <laughs> but, but done the way they're supposed to be done on modern instrumentation. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's my, to me, that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, and I've seen, I think this conversation is relevant to, to what we're talking about today. I've, I've attended a church as, as a young person that the division between those who wanted traditional style and those who wanted a modern style resulted in two separate services that actually um, met at the same time but it was traditional in the sanctuary and um, 
and modern worship in the basement, yeah, uh, in that. the gym. And, and then they live stream the service wherever. And uh, that is terrible. I'm just going to go out and say, I think that's a bad idea every time. That's my personal mm-hmm. view. I can't point to chapter and verse to say that's why. But from what I've seen and experienced, um, that, that is unnecessarily divisive of the body. Um, the way I, I've always viewed this is when it comes to hymns and modern stuff, you fight the battle from both ends. So right. those who are maybe newer believers, uh, younger believers who are you know inclined to the new stuff, try to win them over to see the beauty and the richness of those old songs and ha- help them understand the connection that they have with countless generations that have gone before that have sung some of these same songs. Like Be Thou My mm-hmm. Vision, the melody was written in like the 8th century. Like it's crazy, right? And, and on, 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 conversely, Try to help those old, those older believers or those people with more traditional tastes, you know, to see the good, the goodness in some of the new songs, right? And introduce them at a pace that they can learn, right? And and mm-hmm. and 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 draw out the scriptural, um, the, the the scriptural passages that are found in in the lyrics, right? And so and pick good songs too, because a lot of modern stuff is an inch deep. Let's be honest. Um, but fight that battle from both ends and don't, don't divide the body unnecessarily. It's just, I, I sympathize with churches that divide that way. Um, I, I can understand being at a point where you don't like a certain style of music so much that it actively impedes your ability to focus on your worship in a Sunday morning. Like I, I could totally understand somebody who, who felt that way. And, you know, if I went to a church that was exclusively honky tonk country music, I, I don't connect with that style. I, you know, it's fine in its own right musically, but I just don't connect. So I would want to find a service that would have music that I could at least, you know, like a little bit. Like I, like I would need that. So a church saying, well, we love all these people in our body. We want to serve all of them. Let's just make it, uh, give them a way to connect musically in separate ways. I think that you'd miss a lot of things if you got to that point, like we will never get to a point where we're splitting over music styles, Mm -hmm. but I I can sympathize with the need to want to serve everyone in your church and, and to look at what needs to be done to make that happen and end up at two different musical services. Um, Something we've done to make sure this should never happen is to have a really good mix of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe not a huge mix of musical styles uh, much to Tim's, uh, upset. We don't play a lot of screamo or metal music on a Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, you know, so for people who like that music, maybe church music isn't for them. You know, we don't play a lot of alt punk. I would, I would really love that. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of worship music in that genre. Uh, but, but making sure there's a really good mix, and and as Marshall said, to to bring people along with you in that uh, is the way that you make sure people feel welcome in a worship setting that they can uh, open up their heart to what the words have to say. Mm. Um, what we don't want to happen is people either coming along and saying words they don't mean um, because they're distracted by how much they hate the harpsichord or how much they hate the electric guitar. Mm. Uh, you know, like that, that would be terrible. We would consider ourselves a failure if, as a staff. We were bringing a worship package that people didn't mean week over week. Um, so, so there's an element of this that I can understand in churches that divide over that, but the solution is to listen to people in your church, um, and then to take action on that to an extent. 
I sometimes yeah, and and so that you know, so that you know, Alex, when I was a youth pastor, we used to uh, sing "Never Underestimate My Jesus" by Reliant K. Um, Ooh, so, so nice. There's there's a we go. a left coast punk song that works <laughs> <in> worship. Um, <laughs> yeah, so so here's where here's where I would uh, try to bring the, these two thoughts together. Uh, corporate worship needs to be the voice of the corporate body. Mm-hmm. It is not, this, this is what it is not. It is not the preference of the one who is leading the music that week. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've seen that where, uh, someone comes in and it's, it's their job or their opportunity, uh, whether it's volunteer or, or paid, uh, to, to be the one leading the music. And since this is their go at it and uh, this is their preference that's what they're going to do it is not it is also not the means by which we identify the personality of the church right that is to say uh if a if a pastor and staff come in and they're like oh our church feels a little bit old we want to be more relevant so what we're going to do is we're going to change the music and the music is going to be what what drives our identity uh, that people are going to say, oh, this, this isn't an older or dying church because they sing uh, music with drums. Um, that's drums and electric guitars are not the measure of church health. Yeah. Uh, and old, you can be a dying church uh, with drums and electric guitar. Your, your understanding and practice of gospel ministry and the worship of God uh, for his glory and the benefit of those who he has died to save is the measure of a sound church. Oh yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're using drums, electric guitar, or an organ, you can be a sound and healthy church. And on the flip side, you can be a church that doesn't get it and is dying. Uh, and so, so those things are never going to be whatever the person leading that week prefers. And they're never going to be the measure by which you try to identify your church. Um, they're also not going to be thirdly a consumeristic thing, right? Um, this is what I prefer. And uh, I, I've seen this even happen in, in churches that have tried to blend uh, some things where they, they would have a hymn and then there would be more modern songs uh, and everyone standing but people only singing their brand, right? Uh, so everyone's standing, and when the hymns go, you hear uh, one set of voices, and then when, when the, a more modern song would come, uh, those voices would die away, and a different set of voices would take over. Uh, that's, that's a church divided. That's heartbreaking. What really needs to be driven in that circumstance is the maturity of the believer, yeah. right? And at that point, maybe it's less about choosing songs and, and more about pulpit ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that the church needs to be guided in such a way as to say, "Hey, corporate musical worship is our voice combined mm-hmm. to uh, encourage one another and to lift up the name of God." Yeah, and we are going to do that together. And just because it's not your favorite song doesn't mean that you are not a part of this body, right? And we do things all the time to encourage one another and to support one another, to lift one another up, to be a part of a unified body. Uh, and so I, I would say in those situations where we struggle most, if, if there is a staff that is really working hard to biblically 
and um, and and with a genuine heart, put together a worship set, a musical worship set. <laughs> that strike is, two. <laughs> strike two. That is going to uh, bring together the corporate voice of their people in a way that edifies the body, lifts up the name of Christ, and people choose not to be a part of it because it's not what they would have chosen. I would say there's maybe reason to, to say you need to mature beyond that. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you need to understand what it means to be a part of the corporate. And, and we need to think less about ourselves and more about others. I, I haven't had that conversation at Memorial. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, we do a lot of blending. I, I am surprised when people come and say, we don't do hymns. And I think we do usually multiple hymns a week. Yeah. Uh, and I know you guys have been approached. Uh, <laughs> I, I did, I did a, a set at Memorial where we used the hymnals. And I, I think I remember Marshall doing one too. Um, and people made a big deal out of it. Oh, you know, the, the hymns, I, I really miss the hymns and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, we do these songs all the time. The issue is the TVs weren't working. And they missed the books. And so we used the books. That's, <laughs> it wasn't about the hymns. It was about the books and not the screens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and and was, that was the reason for the shift. But we didn't do songs that we don't normally do. Yeah. Um, and so it's just interesting when, when people have that take on, on uh, we don't do hymns. Because I, I think we do a lot of hymns. Uh, and, and it's not a, you know, because we have a younger staff, we, we trend away from those things. Uh, and that's not it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we all three and, uh, and Rachel as well, lean pretty heavily into uh, the hymns and, uh, mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways prefer them. Yeah. Uh, so what about this? Connecting it to the sermons. Now I've, I've seen churches, been in churches even, where the pastor picks the, the songs that are going to be sung because every song is going to be on topic with the sermon. Hmm. How do we do that? Why or why not? Go. The, the idea that every song needs to be connected um, comes from a heart of wanting to make a service that comes together as one message. Mm -hmm. um, so... So while it may be admirable to try and connect every single thing in your service to the sermon, um, I think you're missing out on the ability to talk about multiple things every week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of worship music focuses on the death and resurrection, like that particular piece of theology. Um, but if the sermon is on, you know, giving, it's not what bad to, to have, it, right. yeah, we're going to sing and it's not bad to talk both about giving and to talk both about the resurrection. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not like we're singing songs that are entirely different, you know, streams of thought. It's always going to be about Jesus. It's always going to be about the worship of God. Um, so no matter what your sermon topic is, it's always going to come down to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And, and I would hope that that's how we always design our services and, and so even though we would strive to make things thematically at least adjacent, um, it's always going to come down to the gospel, no matter what the topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think we do like, and here's the thing. So, so an easy example, because it's something that happened just recently. 
would be like the difference between a Good Friday service and a Resurrection Sunday service, right? The tone of the music is going to change dramatically mm-hmm. based on what the message is that day. And so, you know, I know those are two particular days in, in the year, but I think apart from that, and, uh, you know, I, when, when I have the opportunity to, to lead the music, they don't have to be all like thematically, like very, very connected, but there is, I think, some value to trying to find a connection and a flow, um, you know, even theologically, although, you know, we'll get into that more maybe next week, but that, that is consistent. That doesn't feel disjointed, uh, with each other and with the service and like, or sorry, with the sermon. Um, and so, you know, there is some value to kind of thinking, okay, how, like, how does this then relate to that? And then, and, and where, what are we preparing people for? Like, what are we preparing them to hear? And then after they've heard it, what, how are, how are they responding? So I think, yeah, we don't want to be cookie cutter about it, but at the same time, I think there is some, there's some merit to kind of trying to find a flow. And, um, and we preserve that flow in such a way that we separate out announcements because we can't thematically tie announcements to the sermon always. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've taken the steps to separate that portion out of our service mm-hmm. to make sure it's separate. And then we, move through the acts of, of our service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I agree. I don't have any, uh, I've always thought that, um, the music portion of the service can stand on its own with its own theme and movement through. I think the one exception to that, uh, and we do this every week. Uh, I think the one exception to that is the response song that comes after the sermon. Uh, because it is in response to the the reading of God's word, which uh, leads us right into our next segment where we're going to take the gloves off because uh, we openly disagree on this, uh, which means it it might be some teaching time. Uh, and anyone who's stuck around long enough to listen to uh, this portion of it is uh, is going to get uh, a good lesson. So, gentlemen, what is the most important? song or is there a most important song on a given sunday why don't you go first oh no no, no, no. <laughs> i make the rules here okay I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 take a stab even though i know i'm gonna be rebuttaled and and maybe not get an opportunity to to, <laughs> to answer in turn uh, you do have the record button i so. that's true i do um no i i uh yeah so i would say the the song immediately before the sermon Mm-hmm. is immensely important. And the reason being is that directly after this time, we are going to open up God's word. We're going to listen to that word preached. And we need to make sure that by this point that we have done everything we can to adequately prepare our people to receive the word of God. And so that last song directly before the message needs to be something that is um drawing people into a a mindset and a in a, a heart position for lack of a better term that is that is ready and primed to receive God's word. And so um yeah so there are certain songs so for example a song that you know might that has nothing to do necessarily with preaching but let's 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 go with here so like the song like Holy Spirit which is very you know is fairly slow 
fairly fairly repetitive. I mean, we don't drag it out for nine, ten minutes, but it but it is. But that whole invitation, like we want the Holy Spirit to be here and be active, because without it, Tim can't adequately preach the word. Without it, we can't adequately understand it, and and then it's through the Spirit's power that we will then be able to apply it. So my vote is the song directly before the sermon is the, is the most important. And so I will agree with Marshall in that, in that the two songs particularly, um, you know, it doesn't always line up that the song we want maybe with the particular key or, or the way it lays out, um, you know, it might be the song just before the last song that, that is our most poignant one. Um, but usually it's those, those two um, are the ones that, in the whole worship set, if we're to get rid of anything, um, any other elements, and we're to distill it to what what is most important, it would be those songs. And this is true because when we've set up our website to do, you know, a, a mirror image of what we're doing normally when we gather, the two songs that we pick are the response song, and then it's labeled as an opening song. But that song would be the one I would put either right before the sermon or you know, just right there. Um, that song is almost always slightly more contemplative. It's always designed to uh, point your eyes towards Jesus. It's very rarely uh, has any grammar about um, one another. It's almost always the focus on the spirit or, or on Jesus or, or the core message of the resurrection is that we are um, redeemed because of it. It always has those themes. And, and I think you know, just to jump the gun on Tim, I think more than the response song, uh, the song right before the message is the one that, um, you know, it's not like we couldn't receive the preaching without it, but in our format, it's the one that primes us to hear what, what God has to say out of the word. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you guys thought about it. Um, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> I, so get out your pen and paper. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I th- this this kind of goes back into the connection to the sermon, um, and we we've talked about whether or not uh, like w- when I hear people make a strong argument for every song before needs to fit into the sermon, uh, I've never agreed. I, I've been in churches where we would sing sometimes these songs that nobody knew that were like we talk a lot and we'll talk about it next week. What makes for a congregational song mm. is not only the theology, but the melody, right? Like sometimes you get these songs and you're like, wow, that's amazing. It sounds amazing because you have professional singers, but a congregation can't sing that. Right. Right. Uh, and, and the same is true with hymns, right? Let's not pretend like that's a modern thing. There are mm. hymns that just have these impossible shifts of range from low to high and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and we would sing these songs because the theme fit, but mu- but as far as like a musical portion of worship, it was just sort of very difficult and very disengaging. It was so difficult. And more than that, I don't think that people really caught on to the common theme, hmm. right? I, I don't think anyone sings the song and says, this is the major theme of that song or was mentioned in it. This is the commonality with the song we're currently singing to the previous song. Oh, this third song is the common thread. Now I see how that ties into the sermon. I, I just don't think people put that together. Right. 
And, and I say that based on me because I, I never put that together. But, but because I knew it was going on, I was a little bit distracted trying to guess what the sermon was going to be about uh, <laughs> by tying those things together. Um, but, I, but that's not true with the response song. Because in the response song, we have laid out the word of God. We have talked about what it means. We've talked about what it meant to a first uh, century listener. We've talked about how that transitions into our modern time and how it affects our worship of God, it, how it affects our, um, our own personal relationship with God, our corporate relationship together and with God. And we've set all of these things up, and now we want to respond to the Word of God together as one voice. Hmm. And so in this moment, we have gone through the examination of the Scripture. We have heard what God has given to us, revealed in His holy word. And now we as a people have received this and we have an option. We either have to say, yes, humble us to your way and to walk in your will, or we have to listen to it. And as James tells us not to do, walk away as one who uh, would look his face in the mirror and walk away forgetting instantly what he looks like. Hmm. So after the sermon, after the sermon, everything stops and is left with a what are you going to do about this? Are we going to follow and believe or are we going to walk away in our pride and continue in our own way? Hmm. And the response song is the corporate coming together in prayer or in edification of one another to say, all to Jesus, I surrender, Hmm. right? I'm giving myself to this word that he has put before us. And in that song, as people sing, the theme of scripture, which has been so heavily laid out for them in the sermon, because the sermon has more opportunity to lay that out than, than songs do, uh, to spell it out. In that, people really feel the lyrical content of that last song more, I think, than songs that come before. And so, so I understand the idea of needing to set up and prepare the heart to come in. I think we do that in a number of ways. We also do that with a prayer that comes before the sermon. We pray to that same end that, that God would speak through me, that God would open the ears and the hearts of the people who are receiving it. Uh, I think that is important. I would argue the second most important song in the set. Uh, and I would argue that, that that prayer of response to the word of God is uh our primary if you if you need you don't to be honest with you this is an exercise of futility you don't need to establish the most important song in this in the that's true too (laughs) (laughs) all of this is kind of an irrelevant conversation but uh but i but i would say that that is in my opinion the most meaningful and most important song in the set is that song Mm. of response Mm. it's it's certainly the most important to tie to the theme of the message for sure like for sure for sure like I, t- I'm totally with you there. Um, and maybe, yeah. And maybe partly the way that the reason I disagree is because I feel like people are it's not all people, but a lot of people are kind of already like semi checked out once the sermon's done. Cause they're just like, now they're thinking about their lunch plans and picking their kids up. from. Sunday. Not if I'm preaching. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Fair enough. Just fair enough. People yeah, sleep through me too. That's only when I'm preaching. Yeah, no, uh, no, but no, I think I, yeah, you make some you make some really valid points, for sure. Yeah, and the real answer is we we have we do both. 
we yeah. do the songs before and after. We uh spent a lot of time. And, and with, with care and thought mm-hmm. in both. For and, sure. and the guy who spends most of his time focused on the preaching of the word prefers the response song. And the guy who spends most of his time on uh, you know, preparing the package of music prefers the song right before. So so our biases are are clearly shown. Um but but I I think that sometimes, you know, and this is my personal experience, particularly as someone who um grew up in church, the songs before the message are the ones that I've always remembered. Mm. Um, you know, the the response song I was checked out, particularly as a child. Um and you know I thought about the sermon, took its piece, left it there. And then, uh, you know, we sang a nice song at the end and walked out, you know, so that's, that's just maybe some personal bias there too, is that maybe I haven't considered it near enough. And I know in our planning of services, we make a point to make that song valuable. Um, we wouldn't ever throw something in there that we just thought was a nice song or yeah, was the, the new song, the block. That's the one song that, uh, that we get together and talk about each week. That's true. Right? Yeah. Uh, unless it's a new song, we'll get into that next week. But but the one song that uh, that I get the email or the text or the yell through the wall back when that was a thing um, <laughs> to say, hey, what's the sermon topic about? Any ideas for a response song? Let's and and usually it's all three of us working together on what that response song is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. So what I've learned and what I've learned is this: hearing your position. Uh, saying you know working my way through my position out loud what i've what i've learned is this there are two opinions um one is the opinion of those who check out uh and one of the is the of the opinion of those who don't so <laughs> we will let the listener score oh uh, that the singer was coming <laughs> Just couldn't let it. The, the listener can can send us emails and texts and <laughs> messages and those kinds of things, uh, telling us who won that. Uh, a lot of times people come to us and they say, hey, heard a new song. We should sing this song. Mm. Or why don't we ever sing? Or why did we stop singing? Mm. Uh, the answer to that question coming next week in part two. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned, folks. So thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.